Lord, um, your grace is so amazing. Even when we're broken and we make decisions, Lord, that are against what you want for us, brokenness is an opportunity always, Lord, for you to continue to demonstrate your grace that is beyond our comprehension. Lord, I ask, Lord, that as we look together in your word, that you would allow the principles that you're teaching through your truth in the book of Nehemiah to sink down in our soul and not only become information, but become food for our souls to help us to grow so that your broken people that can be often disconnected from you can be healed, our lives can be restored, our relationship with you can be restored, and also all of that be sustained. Give us the strength and the wisdom we need to apply your truth to our life. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. It's been mentioned already, for those of you that have been visiting or that have been here, that we are in the book of Nehemiah. The theme of the book of Nehemiah is the God of the universe looking down on his broken people and demonstrating his love for them that while they were in a sinful condition, while they allowed themselves to be in that condition. God demonstrated to the children of Israel that though they were in a broken condition that they caused, that he was still with them. That his desire was not only to rebuild their community because their community had been broken. They had no home of their own, no land of their own. They were in a very poor condition. God demonstrated to them that he not only wanted to fix their physical condition, but by God using a man by the name of Nehemiah to help restore their physical condition, it was a picture. It was a picture that God wanted to restore their broken souls. He wanted to restore the people. He wanted to rebuild the people who had been broken. It was also a picture that he wanted to restore their relationship with their God. We learned through Nehemiah chapter 6 the last couple of weeks. God taught us through Nehemiah 6 that as soon as God's people make up in their minds. As soon as you and I, we hear the words of the preacher, we get tired of doing it our way, as Anderson mentioned. As soon as we say, Lord, not my way, but your way. As soon as that happened, or as that's happening, or if you're in the midst of committing your life to the Lord, we see through Nehemiah 6 that there are the three D's that we talked about that is always present to bring you down. Distractions, discouragement, and deception. Right there in chapter 6, you see all three at work. And then we talked about how God has given us wisdom to overcome the three D's. In the core of that wisdom that Anderson mentioned is not only taught or will be taught in Nehemiah chapter 7 through the rest of the book, but it's taught throughout Scripture that God says that if you desire, if you urge the pure milk of his word like a child, like a baby, God has provided healing for you. But if you would just focus on what God has provided, if you would take on God's word and put it in your soul, not just information to be learned, but milk, 
nourishment. Thank you, my sister. Help me preach. <laughs> For your soul. That the word of God is meant to be healing to the soul. It is a supernatural book that is meant to transform the way you think, which in turn transforms your emotions in your soul and allows you to control them. It transforms the way you talk, and as a result, transforms the way you walk. We reviewed and learned all of that in Nehemiah chapter 6, and now we come to Nehemiah chapter 7, where we continue by God's amazing grace in his word to learn the continued principles to have victory against the three D's in your life. Let's look together in Nehemiah chapter 7, and let's read the first six verses. Now, when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. And I said to them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Some at their guard post and some in front of their own homes. The city was wide and large, but the people within it were few and no houses had been rebuilt. Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. And I found the book of the genealogy of those who came up at the first, and I found written in it, these were the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of those exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried into exile. They returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his town. After Nehemiah 6, Nehemiah will go from walls to focusing on people. All along, what God was doing through Nehemiah to rebuild their walls and their community and do construction projects, God all along had in mind to teach the people the principles of restoring broken lives through restoring their relationship with their creator. Nehemiah, at the end of chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, before he goes in chapter 7, makes it clear who was orchestrating all this, and even people who did not know God knew something was going on beyond the natural. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month. And in 52 days, Nehemiah said, this all happened. And when all of our enemies heard it all in the nations around us, they were afraid and felt greatly in their own esteem because they had perceived that this work had to be accomplished by a supernatural force. The people in the surrounding nations were primarily afraid for political reasons and for war reasons. They did not want the children of Israel to be strengthened and to take control of the area that had been established by their own people, by the Arabs of that time. They were afraid that the children of Israel would be strengthened and that they would take control. And even though they did not serve the God of the Israelites, they had perceived something is going on here that is beyond these people. They are broken, and yet they have all of this construction, things being renewed. God must be with them. See, 
a broken condition is always an opportunity for God to let people know he's with you. See, people will look at you and they will wonder how in the world is that person coming up? They don't deserve it. They ain't right. But see, this is what people on the outside who do not know God don't understand, that it's never been about you. It's never about the ability of the people God calls. It's always about the God that calls him, despite how broken down they are. See, if God is calling you, he going to restore your situation, even though you broken. If you're willing to do it his way. See, when God says, I'm ready to restore your broken condition, that is an opportunity for God to show up, as the old preacher says, and show out. And the people around you will look at you and say, there must be a God. We've seen this happen in our own context here in Radius Church, and in particularly some of you that know about the Dubuque Dream Center. It is clear to folks that are on the outside looking in, something special is happening here because there must be something supernatural transforming what's happening in this area of the community. Those of us that are involved in it, that are helping in that project, you see it, and when you talk to people, they see it. They may not even believe in God, but it makes them question there must be a God because something special is going on down there when the people there don't seem to have the ability or the resources to do what they're doing. See, one of the things that I truly believe that God is showing me is that it is his plan to restore what's happening here at the Dream Center in Radius. How that's all going to happen, when that's all going to happen, I don't know all that God's going to do, but it is in my soul and in my heart, and many can be a witness that he is going to do something. If your heart is to be involved in Radius of the Dream Center, you are truly in God's mission. It may, be, it may not be where it should be right now, but God and his timing is going to restore broken conditions. Nehemiah said that in the end of chapter 6, and then he leads into chapter 7. He gives us three Ps. Last time we gave you three Ds. Now we're going to give you three Ps, three principles to overcome the three Ds. We've looked at some of these previously, but now we're going to organize them based on Nehemiah chapter 7 and Nehemiah himself communicating these principles. The first thing that Nehemiah realized that once you have God's mission in place, once you know that God is with you, once you know you're heading in the right direction, once you know that you want to do right by God and those three D's, distractions, discouragement, deception is with you. He recognizes that even though you want to do right by God, there's always a number one problem. And that problem, the first P is people. Can I get a witness? I asked you all this last week, and I'm asking you again, those that have been with us learning the three Ds of distractions, discouragement, and deception, have the three Ds shown up this week? See, anytime you want to do right, there's always something, and particularly somebody, that's trying to bring you down. The cycle, unfortunately, will always be there, so we always have to be alert. And that's what you're going to learn also in Nehemiah as one of the Ps. The first thing Nehemiah teaches us and teaches his people in chapter 7 is you got to have the right people. you got to surround yourself with the right people. Now, I ain't telling you all something you don't know. For many of you, it is just a reminder. But let's look at what Nehemiah does here. Chapter 7, verse 1. Now, when the wall had been built, and I set up the doors, and all that was established, then he says, I begin to focus on the right people. 
He says, the gatekeepers, the singers, the Levites had been appointed. Then I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the governor of the castle, charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. People is always the problem when you're trying to establish your life or a mission. So the first thing that Nehemiah teaches us is you have to appoint the right people. You have to surround yourself with the right people. When you're in a mission, the principle he's teaching us is you have to appoint the right people with leadership. But you also learn through this um, principle in verses 1 and 2, you got to surround yourself with the right people. And how does he define the right people? People that fear God. See, the right people have a commitment to God. To fear God, you Bible scholars out there, understand that to fear God is not a scared fear. To fear God is a respect focus. It is someone who demonstrates by the decisions that they make, that they make God a priority in their life. To say the religious words does not mean you fear God. Demonstrating you fear God is by the fact that you make God a priority. Love to use kids' illustrations. Parents, you know, and kids, they know. They can say the right words all they want. You tell them to do something, and they say, oh, I know, I know, mama, oh, I know. But Time and time again, you know that they truly respect what you're saying by their actions. You don't go by just the words they use, but you know that somebody fears God. You know that your children fears and respects you by the fact that they put a priority on what you want them to do. See, when Nehemiah tried to look for the right people, he didn't just look at Hananiah and said, oh, this man fears God because he's religious. He is speaking of this man's lifestyle. See, before God ever gives you a mission, he always develops your character. See, some of us, and myself included, I've been there, we want God to put us in position to be successful, to rebuild a mission or to rebuild a home or a career, but God is saying, I first got to rebuild you. See, if you are a CEO of a company, you are a CEO of a company when you sweep in the streets. If you are a CEO of a company, you are a CEO of the company when you're working at McDonald's. See, you just have to walk into the character that is already being established in you. If you can't do right at McDonald's, you won't do right in a CEO of the company. See, when Nehemiah called on Hananiah, when the opportunity came for God to promote somebody, these men had already been living out what they were designed to do because he said they were God-fearing men. Appoint the right people and have the right people in your life. If you are trying to restore your broken home, if you are trying to restore any broken condition, the principle for you here that I want to say again one more time, whatever you're trying to restore that's broken, you got to surround yourself with the right people. See, sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes we feel alone when we're trying to restore a broken condition. And all the people around you just pulling you down. Because you're trying to restore your condition, but yet you got yourself around the wrong people. Somebody here needs to get yourself around the right people. Sometimes the people that you're trying to help ain't the right people that's going to build you up. It don't mean that you leave them, but you need to get yourself around the right people to even help you with your condition. If I need somebody to help me, if I got, if I'm a, if I got kids, and, and it takes a village. We all know that. 
If I got kids and I need help, I need to know who I need to call. Because if I'm trying to get to where I'm trying to get, I need to make sure that I have people and friends around me that are the right people to help me get to where I want to get. This principle you need to apply wherever God needs to apply it to you this morning. For Radius Church and for the Dream Center, I am fairly confident because of God's constant confirmation that God wants this to happen. So what God is telling us to do first, now that the Dream Center is kind of getting growth, and there's some establishment. Radius Church is always the key to Dream Center. It's God-fearing people because the Dream Center is really about building up this community and allowing people to see what good godly people looks like when they serve them. It's letting people see church in a real-life situation. But Radius is the core people where we're praying that God would allow us to establish or to see leaders who we will put in position. What Nehemiah did is once the walls were built, then he began to look and to see where should I put people that are in leadership position to help lead and establish this mission. So look at the kind of leaders that he chose besides people obviously that fear God. He also looked at people with diverse skills and abilities. He had gatekeepers, singers, Levites, and then he had folks in verse 2 that were in government. He could have been accused <laughs> of what they call nepticism because he, favoritism, because he appointed his brother. But he knew that this was a God-fearing man. Now, what you see here when God is looking to restore something, it's very, very important, that God always first looks at people that are committed to him. You see that God chose people who were folks that had spiritual gifts. You see we got singers. You see we got Levites, priests, preachers. You see we got folks that they might just be hospitality folks. You just love helping people. You just stand and watch the door. You watch the gate. Whatever it is that you're passionate about, even if you're just passionate about saying hi to people, the Bible calls that hospitality. God gave you a gift where you just love people. You're outgoing. You might like cleaning or fixing stuff. God will use whatever your passion and your ability is for his glory. He always uses a diverse group of people, but it's always first people who will get you back to a relationship with God. When God wants to do something in this God's project, it always involves God's people. It's amazing how us Christians complain about the community condition. But God is saying, um, I chose you to fix that condition. Which we're going to see here more in Nehemiah. Whenever you see a broken down community, the first place, according to the Bible, you need to look is God's people. Because God has ordained and called his people to be the examples. Did you know that God intended for there not to be a separation of church and state? When government was established during the biblical era, there was an assumption that the government was established by God to lead the people to God. But when a community or a society gets away from God, what you have is a devolution rather than an evolution, and you see that the culture morally starts to get worse. Do y'all see that today? You can prosper economically, but morally, things will get different. See, it's not a money issue, it's a moral issue. Notice, and we've seen this in verse 2, that Nehemiah appointed a governor. And the governor, the politician, was a man that he put over people because he feared God. Go to Romans chapter 13, or it'll be up there. 
tell you what Paul says about this in the New Testament. See, growing up, if you like me, if you grew up where I was, I did not like the police. We had names for them, Popo, One Time, Pig, all kinds of stuff, nothing positive, okay? <laughs> but according to God, authority was never meant for something that we would perceive as negative. One of the reasons why authority can be perceived as negative is when people in authority Take God out the equation. Paul says in Romans 13, I want every person to be subject to the governing authorities. Well, why? Why should you be subject to them? For there is no authority at the end of the day, Paul says, except for God. They are over you, but they are supposed to be under God. One nation under God. Right? And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, when the authorities take God out, you no longer have respect from the people because people abuse the authority. There is nothing wrong with any of you getting involved in government, especially if you are going to be under God's authority because we need you there. Hang in there, Brother Anderson. Because somebody has to speak for God on behalf of the people. For the rulers, verse 3, are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. The whole idea is they're not supposed to be out here abusing people and beating people up or hurting people. They're supposed to be helping the community. And a, a great majority do. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. See, being God's servant for our good as authority figures becomes a problem when those that are your leaders no longer become God's servant. See, putting people in leadership positions is not so they can just tell people what to do. Jesus' model of leadership is that you would be servants to the people. You would guide the people. And the first way you would guide the people is through your conduct that they would be able to look at you and see what love and service looks like. But when authority, whether that's in the government, whether that's in the church, whether that's wherever, when authority is abused and God is not on the throne and the right type of style of leadership is not applied, servant leadership, then what you have is abuse of authority. And then people get used in abuse. That was just a little side note in there. Back to the three Ps, the right people. Back to Nehemiah 7. Some of you have various gifts. Some of you may not really be sure how God wants to use you or how you want to serve the Lord. But if you are not sure, if you just focus on what you love to do right now? Do you love just helping people and serving people? Can you just stand at the door and be a gatekeeper? If you don't know what to do, do what you know to do until God reveals more. But the bottom line is, is what you're doing for God's glory. Are you the right person under the authority of God, having God's heart and fearing him? Whatever your gift is, if it's not used for God's glory, then that's more of the problem. People should fear God in all areas of life. In your home, 
in your school, kids, in your community. I said this before, but before we transition to verse 3, I just want to say it again. Whatever God's going to have you to do, big picture-wise, big ministry-wise, career-wise, whatever he has you now, he wants you to represent him where you are now. The question is, are you fearing God where you are now? Are you representing him where you are now? Is something broken in your home and you need to represent him? Some of you are the only leaders in the area where you're at, so you have to represent. Are you representing him where you are? Then, again, if you are the only person where you're at and you're being pulled and pulled down and distracted, now you need to surround yourself with the right people. The right people may not be in your broken condition. You may not need to get outside of that like they did for Nehemiah, and he needs to choose the right people to help lead. You might need to get outside your home and your situation and surround yourself with good people who fear God so that y'all can help one another, so we can help one another. But what the enemy wants to do is divide us. See, your help is within the people that are like-minded. Your help for your individual family might be in God's extended family. But if you only stick to yourself and you do not focus on God's people, then you might stay in your lost condition or you might continue to be beat down and burdened down because you're alone. We learned last week that you are God's building. You are God's workmanship. Here at Radiance Church, we're also looking for the right people. We have moved forward. Many of us, many of you have chosen to commit your life to the Lord and you believe in the mission. Now the question is, for whoever it is out there, what does God want you to do? And for us here at Radius, there is a big mission, a big picture, and God is looking for the right people, and we are looking for people to help us continue to build in this mission. When you help God's mission, you end up helping your individual situation. The right people. Next is the right priorities. The right people will make God and his plan a priority. If you want to see the evidence of the right people, the question is, are they making God and his plan a priority? And he said to them, verse 3, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun is hot. And while they are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Some of them, some of some at their guard at their guard posts, and some in their own house. When God is transitioning the right people, he will put in your soul and in your heart to make his mission and guarding his mission a priority. You see here, when Nehemiah appointed the people, let's notice a couple things. Number one, he appointed God's people. He says, I want God's people to be the ones that focuses on watching over my mission. When God calls a people to himself in the Jews as a culture, as a nation, we're God's people. Today, we're the New Testament church. I said it before, but this is application to verse three. As the New Testament church, when we look at a broken community, God first says, I need my people to watch over my mission. God is look. if you name the name of Jesus Christ here this morning, the question is, where are you to watch over God's mission? See, once God builds something, now he needs the right people to watch over it. Nehemiah is focusing now on stabilizing and sustaining his mission. 
his people, and ultimately his community to protect what God has built. He says, I want to get the right people to stand guard and not only stand guard and watch over God's big picture mission for all the people, but even their own house. See, you not only have to be watchful over God's mission, but your own situation and condition, as I mentioned. You may be the only leader that, need, that can watch over your own condition in home. In the New Testament, this principle is again applied to us. Matthew 26, 41. Jesus is speaking here. He's trying to teach his disciples about not being distracted. He tells them to not only pray, but pray with your eyes open. Okay? You can't just be praying and being spiritual, but you got to watch because we're in a war. Jesus says, watch and pray so that you don't get distracted and get away from the mission. Jesus was discouraged right now. We talked about that last week. Here's where he is going to the cross, and he's trying to teach his disciples that they need to focus. Anybody get out of focus every now and then? Our God is telling you to stand guard at your post, to watch while you pray. Do not forget that the three Ds is going to happen as soon as you walk out this building. You got to be alert. If you are leading a family, you got to be alert. You have to be alert for your children. You have to be alert for your mission. You have to be alert for all that God is having you do. You have to see stuff coming so that you do not fall into temptation, Jesus says. And he says, you know what? I know you're willing, but I get that y'all are weak. And this is why they teach other places in the New Testament, like we talked about, how do you get strong? You got to nourish yourself with God's word. If you only get a Sunday service a week, a diet Sunday service, you will not be able to be successful in the Christian life. You must desire the pure milk of the word like it's a child getting milk. And you got to plan it out so that the word of God gets in your soul so that you can grow, so you can have victory. Then 1 Peter 8, Peter teaches us about discouragement and also being watchful. He says you need to be sober-minded. Again, another warning not to be out here undistracted. When he says you're being sober-minded, what he's talking to them is the world is out here kicking it, they're partying, they're doing a lot of things, but as Christians, we have to have our minds focused. Don't mean not have fun. But you have to be sober-minded and focused on what your calling is. When you became a Christian, when God gave you his spirit, your whole focus in life transformed. You shouldn't be doing what the folks that are not Christians are doing. You should be sober-minded and be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for somebody to bring down, looking to bring you down, to discourage you. And then Jesus again, reminds us about deception. He says, beware of folks that know the Bible, but they fake. They misuse the word of God, and they pull you away from the word of God. Just because somebody say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in their language, that shouldn't be your first thought of thinking that they're the right person for you. Folks that are in government can be fake. Folks that are in church can be fake. Folks that are in your relationships, in your environment can be fake. You need to beware of false folks. Here is the big kicker. These people come to you like they're good. They're the nicest people you ever want to meet. Oh, that person cool. They always first come in a way where you'll trust them. They come in sheep clothing, but on the inside, they're trying to destroy you. But here's what they're trying to destroy. They're trying to destroy your testimony for the word of God. Are you committing your life to Christ? 
They cool if you just kicking it with them. You ain't doing nothing wrong, having a few drinks, partying. They don't have no problem with that. Because you good, they good, we good people. But they don't want you to be focused on God's mission. That's where the demonic realm sends those kind of people, and that's their goal. So you just get comfortable in not being committed to Christ. How will you recognize them? He says you can recognize them. See, it ain't because they say hallelujah, thank you, Lord. It ain't because of that. That ain't how you recognize them. That ain't how you recognize them. You recognize them by their actions. See, they're going to start off one way, but before you know it, they're leading you the wrong way. And they always got Jesus in every other word in their mouth. Boy, I done seen the most gifted, godly people right here in Dubuque. Me and Chris are talking about this all the time. Some people that you would think they are so anointed. They praise and worship God. Great Bible teachers. And yet I actually seen someone who was the most anointed, at least we thought, the most gifted, talented person that we thought that we have seen. This person should be on TV. We seen them actually take baby Christians and lead them to drugs. Oh, yeah, that's an extreme. Folks will lead you just to not serve God. But we've seen it with our own eyes, gifted people who lead people into sin. See, you'll know them by their fruit. When you start seeing that people ain't acting right, don't get confused by the fact that they know the Bible pretty good. Don't get confused. Judge people by their fruit. Preaching went to meddling. <laughs> Priorities. You need the right people. The right people will show evidence that they're the right people by their priorities. Then look at verse 4, back to Nehemiah 7. This is really interesting. Verse 4. He said, the city was wide. Enlarge. Big city. They had rebuilt the walls, a lot of land. But the problem, there was a problem in verse 4. But the people within it were few, and no houses had been built. They had rebuilt the walls, they had did the work, but the people, most of the people had moved to the suburbs. God had a mission to transform the broken people in their community, but all the good folks had moved out. Now, in this situation, in some of our situations, in a sense, rightfully so. When there's crime and when there's poverty and when you're trying to get yourself together, last thing you want to do is be in that type of environment. So because they were in the ghetto, and remember I told y'all the word ghetto originally came from the Jewish culture, when their ghettos had been established, the people moved out. So they had came back. God had called Nehemiah to go back and help the people that were down. But the problem is Nehemiah looked around and said, man, we ain't got that many good folks here that can help lead this. And houses are no longer being built because all the good folks are gone. It is God's heart and our heart that when God desires a revival, and I believe God always desires that. You see here, this is a revival. He starts by helping people in their circumstances, but he also wants to bring them back to him. God's people that have moved away from helping the world, God wants you, when you're healthy, to not run away from helping people. You may have moved out of the hood, but that doesn't mean that you can't help the hood. Nehemiah seen a problem. When all the good people leave, when all the Christians leave the fight, then it doesn't help the condition. But when people are unfocused, distracted, not focused on the mission and focused on self, this is what can happen. So here's what Nehemiah decided to do. He wanted the good people to come back. 
in hell. So, verse 5. Then, somebody say then. God put it into my heart. Before we look at what God is teaching Nehemiah here, I want you to understand the flow of what God is teaching Nehemiah and teaching us. Focus on the right people with the right heart, people who fear God, then the right priorities. Now he's going to teach us that when you have the right heart, when you have the right priorities, God reveals his plan. I am a living witness. I have observed this happen. Many of you have a witness and a testimony here. Sometimes when you don't know what God wants next, God always said, seek first. He, he tries to bring you back to, you first need to get your heart right with me. You want to know what's next in your career. You want to try to figure out why your family keeps being broken, why you can't keep fixing this situation. First, get back right with me, then make me a priority, then the spirit of the Lord will move on your heart to tell you the next step. This is how Nehemiah has been operating in all of these principles here when he's trying to restore broken people. When he had his mind right and his heart right, God began to reveal himself to Nehemiah. It was only then that God moved unto his heart. God moved unto his heart to deal with this issue that people were gone, to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people and to enroll a genealogy. What God was asking Nehemiah to do is to do a census of the people. Go find these people that had been dispersed to help. God had established his plan. Now he needed the right people, and we're trying to find the people. Radius. God wants to do something great here. I truly believe. And this is hard for me to say because I do not like Dubuque, just like a lot of us. Okay, but I have been here being obedient to the Lord. I truly believe, like I told one minister a long time ago, that God wants us to build a boat on dry land. I said this 15 or so years ago when there was barely no black folks here. And the person said to me, how are you going to do a ministry reaching black folks? Ain't barely no black folks here. I said, I think God is just saying build a boat on dry land. I don't know. 2010, all black people started showing up. <laughs> I had no idea that would happen. I just obey God, and then God just does stuff. Radius, Dream Center, I always say, I don't know what's going to happen. God is just putting this urge on my heart. He'll have to confirm it. God just does stuff. See, when you put God first and you make him a priority, God just reveals stuff and he does stuff. Radius Church, where are you? I know you might be going through things. I don't know what's going on, but it is in my heart being obedient to the Lord because I believe God is trying to build something here through Radius in the Dream Center, but he needs God's people to come to God's mission. And the question is, are you one of those people? Let the Lord move on your heart, if so. When God put it on his heart to assemble the people, the problem is there were no records. You go back to Ezra, and the people had been dispersed in Nebuchadnezzar. Ezra had organized something, but it was lost. So Nehemiah needed to do something, but he didn't know how it was going to happen. He had no resources. So God put, this, put something on his heart to organize the people, but he didn't know where he was going to find the records. And you can, if you read over this too fast, you'll miss it. Because he says in the, the second half of verse 5, and I found the book of the genealogy. <laughs> of those people who were the actual people who were from the community, who had came up at first. And what did I find written in it? The very type of people I'm looking for. Those that were in captive in the exiles in Nebuchadnezzar and these people are on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And, and this is what I was looking for. 
It just showed up. See, when God puts something on your heart, when there's an urge, when God gives an inward urge, he'll always give an outward confirmation. Be careful of people who say the Lord told me when there's no outward confirmation. God don't just do inward, pie in the sky, unseen, supernatural stuff without physical confirmation that we can see. When I say God has put something on my heart and I've done that, and I look to see, okay, Lord, is this you? And then he confirms it with an outward confirmation. If God is putting something on your heart inwardly, how do you know that it's the Lord? Sometimes you don't know until he confirms it. But when you have an urge, that's when you by faith just kind of step out because God keeps putting it in your soul. He'll bring somebody to you that'll just say something that fits that. And then God will keep confirming it and confirming it. But he will always give an outward manifestation of your inward urge. And when God put that on his, in Nehemiah's heart, the ability to do it, he didn't know. It didn't exist. But God confirmed it by supernaturally bringing up the genealogy for the very people that Nehemiah needed. That's how our God works. I don't know how God is going to build your broken condition. Maybe he already has and he's on his way. But if he has put that urge in your heart, you need to hang in there because he will confirm it. He will do it. But the first thing you need to do is surround yourself with the right people. Be the right people. Then you need to make a commitment. You need to make God a priority. Even if you're building a boat on dry land and you don't even know how this is going to happen. You need to make God a priority. Trust God and his word, what he's revealed to you. Serve him. And then, like Nehemiah said, God will move supernaturally and confirm the direction of your life. I pray that for Radius Church. I pray that for the Dream Center. I pray that some of you are the right people. Because when you commit to God's mission, and it seems like it's just for everybody, this ain't my ministry, this is God's mission. When you serve God's mission, he helps your individual life situation. May the Lord take the words of the book of Nehemiah in this message and apply it to your life. In Jesus' name.